Thank you all for that. That was really good. And I left my Bible back there. Close your eyes, studio audience. I'm sore. I can't jump. I am really glad to be here this morning, and I hope that those of you who are watching at home are glad to be able to be watching at home. I've been really kind of, uh, this is a rough week for me, and uh, Kathy and my family uh, know for sure it has been. I've been kind of, grump, not really grumpy, but just kind of whiny. I think more so than normal, which I, I think uh, Michelle would teasingly say that I'm kind of a whiny guy anyway. I wouldn't say so, but uh, I think she would like to joke and tease me about that. But it's just getting like, it's getting old, you know, like, and there's so much stress in the air. And this week was one of those weeks where it's like, okay, this is for real. Like, we're really doing school at home and Michelle was teaching basically from sunrise until midnight, it felt like, and I'm trying to work, and the girls are trying to do their schoolwork, and trying to figure out what workflow looks like for them, and for me, and for Michelle, all mixed together, and at the same time, trying to keep you all uh, that aren't able to come to church engaging in the faith community that we call Morningstar, and it's just getting hard, and it's getting old. And I am so ready to see this room like packed to the brim again, but I know we have to wait. Like it's not the safest thing to do. And so we're going to take care of each other and we're going to keep doing the right thing and social distancing and wearing our masks and staying home unless we have to go out because the sooner we can completely wipe this stupid thing out, the sooner we can all be back to life as normal. And um, I think like one of the things that we need to do is focus on maybe what life, uh, the most valuable things in life. And maybe this pandemic has caused us to slow down and realize what is most valuable. That's a whole different sermon that I somehow accidentally started there. We're going to be continuing in the book of Matthew today. And this is the last Sunday we're going to be in Matthew for a while. Um, starting next Sunday... We're going to be talking about spiritual gifts, and that's going to go for three weeks. So next Sunday, I'm going to kind of lay the foundation, and then the week after that, we're going to talk about specific gifts, how they manifest themselves, what they look like, and then the week after that, you're going to get an opportunity to uh, find out what your spiritual gifts are, and then what I would lo love for you to do is once you know what those things are, send us an email, send specifically Kathy an email so that we can put that in our database. So when we need, uh, when we need people to pray, we can call you Marianne Daves because I know like you have the gift of faith and prayer and we can call on you and say, this is what's going on. We need somebody to pray and trust that you're going to do that. And when we're getting ready to launch a new ministry, we can call those who have the gift of leadership and the gift of administration to help us do those things. And so that's going to be in three weeks where you get to take an online inventory and figure out what your spiritual gifts are and then send those results to us. But in the two weeks leading up to that, starting next week, uh, we're going to do a lot of teaching and hopefully learning. And uh, so jump in on uh, Wednesday mornings to lectionary Bible study with me because I need your input. I need to know what your questions are and what your thoughts are concerning spiritual gifts so that I can try to answer as many of them as possible over the next two weeks as I'm preaching. So please, please, please join me on Wednesday morning if you're available 
uh, to talk about that. You can find that on the website. Next Sunday, this is a big push announcement. We are doing communion. We're practicing the sacrament. We're, we're experiencing the presence of God uh, in a real way next Sunday in our parking lot. Because you can experience the presence of God anywhere. But we're going we're gonna to serve communion in the parking lot next week in drive-through communion. I've been calling it drive-by, but Stuart told me to stop saying that. Drive-through communion in the parking lot next Sunday. Please make plans to jump in your car around 10, 15 or so next Sunday and drive over here so that we can see your face and serve you communion. It will be, it will be sanitary and clean, and uh, we're, we promise we'll do every possible thing we can to keep you safe. All right. Matthew chapter 16, starting with verse 21, where I'm going to start reading this week is where I left off last week. So last week, there at Caesarea Philippi, Jesus and his disciples are probably, legend tells us, looking down onto a pagan temple where they would practice all kinds of crazy worship and worship all kinds of crazy deities. And he's standing there and he says, on this rock, he, Peter makes his confession that Jesus is the Messiah. And then Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my church. And Peter, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And not just you, Peter, but the church as well. And then this happens. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he had to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, legal experts, and that he had to be killed and raised on the third day. Then Peter, who had just been lifted up and his name changed and been told, like, on the rock, I'm going to build my church. And Peter, probably full of pride, took hold of Jesus, grabs him, and scolds Jesus and corrects him and says, God forbid, Lord, this won't happen to you. But Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stone that could make me stumble. For you are not thinking God's thoughts, but human thoughts. This is the word of God. For the people of God, thanks be to God. And may God give us wisdom and courage for interpretation. And may God give us wisdom and courage as we do our best to apply the truth of Scripture to our lives. Amen. Can you imagine? One moment, you're standing next to Jesus and feeling so proud because you got the answer right. You understood that Jesus is the Messiah. He's not just like the second coming of Elijah, and he's not some, some form of a prophet. He's much more than that. He's the Messiah. And he looks at you with pride in his eyes, and he's so happy that you have listened and figured out who he is and what he's about. Can you imagine? And then the next moment, he begins to tell us, because we're all disciples, hopefully, apostles as well, we are looked upon by Jesus and Jesus starts to tell us, here's the deal. We're going to Jerusalem. 
And I'm going to start spreading my message of hope and love and grace and forgiveness and healing of mind, body, and soul in Jerusalem. But they don't want to hear the good news because they have colluded so much with the Roman government. They just don't want to hear it because what's going to happen is they're going to have to give up some of their power because, listen, that's what the Son of Man is about is God giving up the godlike powers to come to earth in the form of a human person who has given up power. But they don't want to do that. And because they don't like the message, they're going to kill the messenger. But when you hear that I have been killed and you see that I've been killed, hold firm, hold fast to your faith because I'll be back. Can you imagine? What Peter was confessing is Jesus being the Messiah And it's totally understandable for him to do it. I would have done the same thing. It's likely that you would have done the same thing as well. Is you're thinking of the Messiah as a warrior king who comes into Jerusalem to kick some butt. And get the Romans out. And straighten out the religion that Jesus loved so dearly, Judaism. And that's what Peter thought was going to happen That's what they all thought was going to happen. And it's completely understandable because their whole lives, that's what they had been taught was going to happen. But maybe what hadn't happened is maybe they hadn't surrendered their entire life, even their thoughts and their understanding to the presence and the reality of God in front of them. There's this great story that I love from the Hebrew Bible. David, King David has gone out and they have recovered the Ark of the Covenant and they're coming back into Jerusalem. And the Ark of the Covenant is behind David. David's leading the parade, coming back into Jerusalem. And he's coming in, dancing in front of the altar, the, the, the Ark of the Covenant, completely naked, dancing in front of it. And his wife, one of his wives, is up in a tower, I'm picturing it, and She's looking down at him and she is completely ashamed and she says, David, what are you doing? You should be ashamed of yourself. This is ridiculous. And he goes, but baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. If you think that's ridiculous and you think you're, that's a shaming, you watch how much more I surrender myself to God. David was a Messiah-like figure, but he knew he was not the Messiah. What would happen in ancient times is if a king were conquered by another king, the conquered king would be stripped naked and put at the front of the parade while the conquering king would walk behind. David was essentially saying, I have been conquered. What Peter thought, what all the other disciples thought, is that they were going to be part of a conquering army led by Jesus that was going to go in and strip bare the powers that be. And they were partly right. But the force that was going to be used was love. 
not power. Can you imagine a scenario where love conquers all? Because that's what we're told to live into. Can you imagine a scenario where we're told to forgive people that it seems impossible to forgive? Because that's what we're asked to do. Can you imagine a scenario where you were told to give up your own individual rights for the common good of all people? Because that's the example that Jesus gave to us. And if we're going to call ourselves disciples, followers, learners of Jesus, then we have to do what Jesus did. What Peter wants is more of the same. The Romans came in and they conquered and they overpowered the Hebrew people, the Israelite people, the Jewish people. They came in, they conquered, they overpowered them, they subdued them. And what Peter wants and what everybody else was wanting, and it makes sense in our own human reasoning, is that we're going to become more powerful and we're going to become even more strong and we're going to come in and we're going to, with more power and more force, conquer them and kick them out. But the problem is, you just start a cycle where you get more of what you already had. Because at some point, somebody else is going to come along who's even bigger and stronger and more powerful and has more missiles and more weapons and more money, and they're going to conquer. And the cycle goes on and on and on. At some point, it has to stop. And I think when Jesus said, I came to save the world, I think he meant it literally. That living in the way of Jesus and recognizing the grace that we have been given to try again and again and again and again is what saves the world. Because left to our own devices, we will kill the messenger because we don't like the message. But the beautiful, amazing thing is that the resurrection overpowers even our worst, best intentions. When we can't imagine that giving up our own rights and our own power so that we can pick up our cross and walk with Jesus is the right way the cross overcomes, the resurrection overcomes our doubts. All we have to do is be like David and allow ourselves to be completely conquered. And not to trust in our own understanding and not to trust in our own way of living and what we've always been taught is right, but to trust and have faith in the way that God showed us to live our lives through Jesus. And we don't have to be perfect at it. We just put our best efforts forward and the grace of God sanctifies our efforts and takes our best efforts and makes them perfect. Holy Spirit, I pray from deep in my soul this morning that you would help me and you would help those in this room and that you would help those watching online to completely surrender ourselves.
to trust you. And to not lean on our own understanding. But to trust your love that we were just singing about. Your love that conquers all borders. Your love that transcends all of our understanding. Give us faith, God, just for one day to live as you have shown us we ought to live. We know that our souls are safe in your hands. But sometimes, God, I value my life and my body over my soul. And it's hard to trust you. Forgive me. We surrender. By the power of your Holy Spirit, we surrender. And in Jesus' name, we surrender.